live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Great afternoon to you and yours. How about that Tuesday, March 28th, the year 2023. LSU women's hoops team had their last practice inside the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. They're heading to Dallas, and unless uh, they're leaving campus and in about one hour's time, get ready to attend the Final Four in which we now know who will be playing whom. South Carolina was a winner last night, setting up the ideal matchup. The defending national champions, the undefeated Gamecocks against the best basketball player in college, men, women, it doesn't matter. Iowa. LSU will take on one-seeded Virginia Tech will break down the matchups. We'll talk about this the rest of the week. Of course, the men are in Houston, Miami versus UConn, San Diego State versus Florida Atlantic. Wow. 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 Kim Mulkey. Yep, she wants everything done yesterday, um, considering the fact that Wow. This team has nine new players on it. Um, They they had to get together. They had to come together. And now looking back, we said it then, Kim Mulkey knows what she's doing. She scheduled the right way. It wasn't the way that we would like to see it. Next year will be completely different. But for this team at this time, that early week non-conference schedule, was a time when LSU could go through, make mistakes, not get in any serious threat of getting beat, but they grew, their confidence got better and better and better. A lot of these players are coming back. The girls' McDonald's All-American game is tonight with the two top LSU recruits and Michaela Williams and Alea Del Rosario playing. It's all about relationships. It's all about trust it's all about buying in kim mulkey talked about her relationship with her players well who knows you better than your family in life who knows you better in athletics than your players they see you at your best every day they see you at your worst they see you at your weakest and vice versa and i think They can answer it better than me. I think it is a perception out there about me that everybody has that's so not real. But I'm okay with that because these kids that play for me, the coaches that coach for me, my family that knows me, you can't control what people want to perceive about you. What I love about coaching is I want that kid to think she can't go any further, but, man, when she does, she looks at me and goes, God, thank you for pushing me. 
I want to look at that kid that everybody says will be an academic casualty or somebody that's really going to struggle academically, and I can watch that kid get a de degree and a diploma. Every kid I've ever coached that finished playing for me has a degree. Do you think they're all 4.0 students? That's what I will remember when I sit in the rocking chair someday, is that I took teams, players that maybe others didn't want to coach, couldn't coach, and we competed, and we won. And, um, but they have to buy in. They and buy in they do. She's got the skins on the wall, and LSU's heading to the Final Four, and I firmly believe they have the type of lineup that can beat Virginia Tech. I really do. Wouldn't that be something? Much more on that coming up uh, today. Coming up tonight, LSU baseball taking on Grambling State. Grambling is 5-1 and one in the SWAC after posting a three-game league sweep over Alcorn State last weekend. LSU won three of its four games last week. They remain number one in all the weekly polls, 21-3 and three overall. Other SCT teams in the D1 baseball top 25 include Florida at number three, Vanderbilt at four, Sixth-ranked Arkansas, ninth-ranked South Carolina. And coming in this weekend, the top 10th-ranked uh, Tennessee Volunteers. Kentucky is the last SEC team in the top 25 at number 19. So LSU will face Tennessee this weekend in a series running Thursday through Saturday. So we'll talk LSU women's hoops with Corey Diaz. We'll talk LSU baseball with Chris Reed today. Um, in our number two, wow, what a game tonight with all kinds of playoff implications as the New Orleans Pelicans blew out an undermanned Portland team. Give the Pels credit. They jumped on them early, and they never looked back. They're now 38-37. and 37. They have seven regular season games remaining. And at 38-37, and 37, they are currently in eighth place in the NBA Western Conference race. Tonight, they take on a team that's a half a game ahead of them, the Golden State Warriors. Reigning Western Conference Player of the Week, Brandon Ingram. He'll have to stay hot to keep up with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and the rest of the Warriors. And this game has huge implications for the playoff race. The winner tonight will move into sixth place. The losing team will drop to eighth with Minnesota in between. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk all about this matchup with Mason Ginsburg to start off our number two. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us. Um, every, every player loves familiarity, and uh, the Saints are doing so. Um, getting Derek Carr reunited with uh, one of his big-time wide receivers. And we'll talk all about that and all the league happenings going on with the NFL owners meeting taking place in Phoenix with our good friend Bob Rose of the Saints News Network for the weekly edition of the Black and Gold Report.
Yes, indeed. Um, LSU's favored by one over Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech relies on uh, their All-American, the big six-foot-six center who uh, has a good turnaround jumper. But what LSU has is LSU has size. LSU has depth along the front line. And LSU has bulk. They have bulk. And they have power. Um, and I believe that this is a team, if, they, if their guards can just bring it a little bit, I think this women's basketball team is going to be just fine. Uh, Virginia Tech, very good outside shooting team. They've got uh, the, the big girl inside, but I really like um, I like LSU's chances. They're one-point favorite over the Hokies. Um, LSU is minus 130 on the money line, implying a 56.5% chance of winning. Basically means the game is a coin flip, coin flip. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. Should be really, really good. Um, the other matchup, of course, South Carolina versus Iowa. Caitlin Clark is just a superstar amongst everyone else. She's at that Different kind of level. It will take an unbelievable performance by her and her teammates to beat South Carolina. Um, they're an 11 and a half point favorite over Iowa. So stay tuned for all of that. A six and a six billion dollar bid has been submitted for purchase of the Washington. Commanders, the Josh Harris Mitchell Rails Group, which now includes Magic Johnson, officially submitted a fully financed bid for the Commanders that meets Dan Snyder's six billion dollar asking price. Wow! Canadian billionaire Steve Apostopoulos has also submitted a fully funded six billion dollar offer for the Commanders. So let's wait and see. If either bid is accepted, the deal would break the previous record sale for a franchise, which was set last August when a group led by Walmart heir Rob Walton bought the Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion. Now, once Snyder accepts an offer, he must submit the bidder's name to the NFL for approval. Three quarters of the owners would need to approve the sale. They'll, they'll unanimously vote for this to get Snyder out. Uh, the Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment also owns the Philadelphia 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, and uh, part of Crystal Palace FC of the English Premier League. Two billionaires putting in that fund. So um, it, it, it's going to happen, and it's going to happen sooner than later, plain and simple. So there you go. Um, Major League Baseball is getting ready to have opening day on Thursday. And Shohei Otani is expected to make a Major League Baseball record $65 million for the 2023 season, including endorsements, according to an annual list published by Forbes, making the Angels two-way standout the highest-paid player in sport. 
The amount includes the one-year $30 million contract extension that Otani signed in October as part of an agreement to avoid salary arbitration. Oh, yeah. He, he's going to he, – and deservedly so. He is the very best – the very best – in all of baseball. No surprise that the Brooklyn Nets are shutting down former LSU guard Ben Simmons for the rest of the season. After consulting with doctors, multiple specialists, Ben Simmons is going to go through a rehab program. Uh, has He hasn't played since the Nets' final game before the All-Star break last month because of a nerve issue in his back. He's missed a total of 33 games this season with knee and back injuries. As of now, the Nets don't expect Simmons to need another surgery this summer. Um, remember, he didn't play at all last season as he waited for a trade from the 76ers. It's just been a mess for one Ben Simmons. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Let's take our first time out of the day when we come back. Corey Diaz, much more on it's just one possession and what that means to the LSU women's basketball team next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil party. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Go register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, burner, paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, and two giant sacks of live crawfish. Plus, we're throwing in a pair of Astros tickets. So enter now. It's the the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. LSU women's basketball heading to Dallas in, oh, about, you know, leaving campus at 3 o'clock today. They held their uh, last practice inside Pete's Palace as they venture to Dallas and the Final Four, thanks to their 54-42 win over Miami in the Elite Eight. He covers LSU women's basketball for the Daily Advertiser, and for the USA Today Network. It's been a while, but I'm thrilled to have Corey Diaz join us again today. Corey, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, Jordy, it has been a minute. Good to talk to you again. You got your plane ticket all set? You're you heading to Dallas? Yes, sir. I guess I'll, uh, I'll board, a, board a big bird uh, here in Lafayette um, sometime tomorrow morning, and, and we'll land in Dallas early afternoon, and uh, we'll be all ready to go. That's awesome. Um, a team that uh, Kim Mulkey had to kind of rebuild um, with nine new players, had to shape them, mold them. Um, you know, none of us like that pre that, that non-conference schedule, but she's won championships. She knows what she's doing. And the ultimate goal is not how you start, how you finish. And they're finishing in Dallas. See, she's pretty adamant about 
how she went about building this team and the camaraderie that it needed to experience early on. Yeah, you know, obviously there was a lot to, um, you know, to make of, uh, you know, what their non-conference schedule looked like and uh, who, you know, for a lot of people, right, who they didn't play, you know, the, any any ranked teams, you know, those first 13 games of the year. But, um, you know, Kim talked about, uh, you know, doesn't really like to, you know, she didn't want to, she didn't want to challenge the team, but she didn't know completely what that what that roster was going to look like. Um, you know, they put you know, most of their non conference schedule together before you know Angel Reese had uh, decided to transfer from Maryland to LSU, and uh, you know Jasmine Carson wasn't yet on board uh, from West Virginia, so uh, the, the the roster wasn't complete at that point. Um, and but you know once she got those pieces in, um, obviously we all seen. You know, kind of what the what the product has looked like. Um, you know, there there wasn't really, uh, uh, I guess, a game early where we where we felt like we had a great idea um, exactly how well this team was going to play together in the bigger game. You know, obviously whether it be SEC or or beyond. Um, but you know, credit to them. You know, uh, you know their their theme was piece it together, right? And <laughs> you know, look, Kim's won three national championships. Uh, she's right. been to. Um, I think she's been to 11 Final Fours now, I believe. I mean, you know, she's obviously a woman that has the, the, the type of pedigree. Um, I think she's got about as good as I, good of an eye as anyone uh, in women's college basketball in, in identifying not only what her, her specific roster needs um, in order to build a, an Elite Eight Final Four type ball club, um, but I think she has an eye for, uh, you know, exactly what it takes to get there. Um, and I think, look, year two, I think it, they've even exceeded her own expectations. Um, but, you know, now they're kind of playing with house money, man. They can kind of play loose. Uh, you know, just go out there, roll the balls out, and see what happens. Virginia Tech was a winner over Ohio State, 84-74 to advance. That's who LSU plays in Dallas on Friday. Elizabeth Kitley's their All-American, uh, big, tall, 6'6 girl. She had 25 points, 12 rebounds. But I think the most important player that Virginia Tech has is their point guard, Georgia Amore, um, who had 24 points. She broke down the uh, the vaunted Ohio State full-court press. She just, she just zigged and zagged through that thing. She was terrific. Terrific, and they can shoot the ball from the perimeter. This is going to be, but you've broken them down. What do you see in Virginia Tech? Yeah, you hit it, Jordy. I mean, it, it, it starts with Kitley, um, and, and, and Amore has kind of become, you know, almost the Hokies' closer in a way. Uh, I think, you know, um, you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't have the ACC tournament uh, that they wanted to. Um, you know, they, they didn't win that. And, um, and you know, since the NCAA tournament has started, you know, it's really kind of been a more, you know, that, that stepped up in the big moments, um, you know, when her team has needed it. You know, they're they're almost as good as any, you know, one-two punch in the entire country. You know, obviously I would say, you know, Isaiah uh, uh, Cookalee of Boston and South Carolina may be the top, you know, one-two punch in the country, but uh, Amore and Kidley may be number two on that list. Um, uh, I think Amore, you know, if they did All-American teams – you know, after the complete season, um, you know, she might would make that list. I think she's been, she's, no she's had a, as good of an NCAA tournament, I think, as, as any player, you know, including all of South Carolina's roster at this point. You know, I think she's playing that good. Um, and, you know, the way they like to play, um, you know, there's been teams, you know, i.e. Tennessee and South Carolina, you know, they're sort of the drive and dish, um, you know, inside out approach. Um, you know, it's kind of called LSU some fit defensively this year. 
so, uh, you know, Alexis Morris is going to have to play great. Uh, you know, to Terry Poole, who, who's probably going to guard a more, uh, at least to start out with, I think, uh, on Friday yeah. night. Uh, Terry Poole is probably going to have the best defensive performance of her life, um, you know, out there on the perimeter guarding a more. And, and then inside, um, you know, LaDasia Williams and, and Angel Reese both are, are going to have their hands full with Kitley. So, uh, because she's a she's a multi multi uh, multi faceted scorer. You know she can score outside, she can score in the mid range, and she can score inside. So um, it, it's it's a tough matchup for LSU. Um, you know again, and obviously part of that is is this team isn't quite to you know Kim's image as she would like for it to be, uh, just because it's year two, man. Uh, but you know you know this team is, has has honestly from my vantage point has gotten further in the NCAA tournament than I thought it would be so yeah you know i think at this point it's kind of it, it can go either way i'm with you uh virginia tech only plays about uh six players so they're not very deep so the key is can can you can you get the ball inside and get kitley in foul trouble if you do then you have a huge advantage along those lines. But the good news is LSU cannot possibly knock on wood, right? They cannot possibly shoot any worse than they did in their win over Miami. They can't. <laughs> uh, Can they? I, you know, for, for Cam and her staff's sake, right, you, you, you certainly hope so. Um, you know, a lot's been made of these, um, you know, these new Wilson balls that they've, you know, not only on the women's side, but the men's side too, right? Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of complaints about the, you know, the new basketball that they've been having these teams play with in these games, and um, you know, I, you know, obviously Kim's not going to make any, you know, any excuses uh, as to how her team performs. Um, but yeah, no, you look, you got to shoot better than what was it, 27 percent, I believe. What, what's um, see, Jordy, that's what's amazing about this team, right? Is that they shoot 27 percent from the floor the other night in an Elite Eight basketball game, and they yeah, won they, by 12. And how they find a way to I, win. I don't know. I don't know how you explain that. That yeah. that's it's remarkable. Um, I know how so, you explain it. You know, I know how you explain <laughs> it. You, you wrote about it. It's all about a poem that Kim Mulkey gave to the team after they lost that lead in the SEC tournament to Tennessee. Fill in our listeners on what that poem was all about. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, so early in the third quarter uh, against Tennessee in the semifinals of the SEC tournament, uh, LSU had a 17-point lead, and, and uh, they certainly let that slip away. And, and uh, you know, they ended up losing that game by two. Um, and ever since then, you know, Couple, you know, she gave the team a couple of days off uh, after that game, uh, and then when they came back in for film study, uh, she, before she turned on the film, she she passed out, uh, you know, this poem. It's called "It's Only One." It's called "It's Only One Possession," um, and basically, this poem, uh, you know, it's just a one-page poem. It's not, you know, it's not a <laughs> a Ralph Emerson Moreau poem or anything by like that. But uh, it's basically it just surmises, you know, how important and how much value literally one possession in a basketball game can, can weigh, um, you know, and it might be a, it might be a first quarter possession, you know, it might be a, a, a half court shot, you know, at halftime, or, you know, it could be free throws, you know, late in the game. Uh, you know, this poem touches on kind of all these different scenarios that we see, you know, kind of play themselves out right during a, during a really tight, really close basketball game. Um, and it's all about, uh, you know, not taking a play off. It's how much value you put in literally every second of a basketball game. So Kim and her staff talked to her players, you know, about that, you know, after that Tennessee loss, you know, because they felt like it was literally, they literally let, you know, it was just one possession, right, between them and Tennessee that night. And ever since then, 
you know, they've, you know, I've talked to the players a lot, you know, in locker rooms and stuff during the NCAA tournament. They've talked a lot about just having that the right level of value, you know, in each and every possession of a game. And so, and to your point, Jordy, yeah, you're right. I mean, <laughs> they shoot 27 percent. Uh, but they win a they win a basketball game by 12 points, and and I think that's probably explained by them having a little more value in their possessions than maybe Miami did. Yeah, um, and that that extends to when you practice. That extends to everything on the court and off the court. Taking care of your body, getting enough rest, attention during film study, uh, all the little things add up. And it is, it is one possession. You got to value each and every one of them. And and I've always said, uh, really good teams uh, figure out a way to win when they don't play near their best. And that certainly was the case for LSU. I mean, they, what, they shot one for 13 or 14 from downtown. But guess what? They didn't let Miami make one of their 13 field goal attempts from behind the arc. So they figured out a way. That'll be the first game. I can't wait to see what Caitlin Clark has in store and how how South Carolina – look, that South Carolina's a really good team. Caitlin Clark is, a, is, is the best player in college basketball. Men, women, whatever. She's unbelievable. It, it makes for a great Final Four. And I really like LSU's chances um, because they defend, they rebound – and they got that uh, that coach on the sideline that just wills them to win. Yeah, sure, Jordy. Um, uh, yeah, to, to your point about Caitlin Clark. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if there's a player right now on either side that that can sell tickets like she can. She is yeah. <laughs> she is an absolute uh, showstopper. Um, but yeah, no. And to your point, and, and again, going back to you know LSU being able to win games in multiple ways. You know, one thing that didn't really get talked about a whole lot, but Angel Reese started the game the other night against Miami 0 for 9 from the floor, you know. Uh, but she yeah. found a way, and to the point that you just made right there, Jordy, she just said, you know what, I don't really have my offensive touch tonight, so I'm going to go get on the glass. She ended up with 18 rebounds, you know, and a lot of those yeah. were, were defensive rebounds that kept Miami from getting second looks at the basket. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a tremendous key against Virginia Tech uh, come Friday night is, you know, limiting their ability uh, to get multiple uh, looks at the basket, you know, on one trip. Um, so, it, you know, if, if that's a key, you know, you got to feel good about, um, you know, Angel being in there and being one that can that can give you the edge there. But but you're right, man. It's, you know, these things are usually about matchups. Um, and, you know, when you look at – and look, Kenny Brooks at, at Virginia Tech this year, a absolute tremendous year. Um, I don't no think coming in – they were a top 10 team, but I don't know if anyone really expected them to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So they've kind of played a little bit outside of their expectations this year. And they're obviously playing as one of the better teams in the country right now. But you're also talking about a, you know, a woman that's won three national championships, has been to um, 11 final fours, uh, 16 elite eight. Um, she has the pedigree. She, she knows what it takes. Um, and so she will. She will definitely give LSU the coaching edge, you know, on Friday night. So, um, yeah. so it's going to be a really good matchup, man. I, you know, I think it sounds like you're a little more confident, <laughs> Jordy, than I am uh, in LSU's chances against Virginia Tech, just because Virginia Tech, I think, is all around one of the better teams in the country. Um, and so, but it's going to be a challenge, man. But it, it really can go either way. Um, but they're going to need a better performance out of Angel Reese for sure, um, and Alexi Morris. She's not going play, 0 for 9. She's not going 0 for 9. I can tell you that right now. That was her best performance in the NCAA tournament so far. So they're going to need a little yeah. bit more out of her, too. So, um, 
They'll roll them out, man. We'll see Friday night. Um, but, hey, there's only four teams left, and LSU's one of them. I don't think anybody could have said that two months ago. Amen. So, uh, Corey so, so good on Cam and good on LSU. Corey, I can't thank you enough, man. Safe travels to um, to Dallas. Enjoy it. LSU's going to shoot it better. And Samaya, uh, <laughs> it was, was terrific. They don't win that game without her. They got more depth on the front line. I got a, I got a feeling about this one. I got a feeling. Thank you for your time. Have fun, man. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Just, just imagine a South Carolina LSU national championship game. The, 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 the southeastern footprint would, would burn itself to the ground, man. It'd be a lot of fun. All right, buddy. You take care. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. LSU baseball, the number one ranked team in the country, back on the diamond. We'll preview that and much more with Chris Reed next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We're brought to each and every day by ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches and permanent fat reduction. Eon in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery, you can't win until you start playing. By DC's Little Capital Exxon, their soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Man, do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. Let's spend 10 good minutes with our LSU baseball analyst, the former LSU Tiger himself, Chris Reed, as LSU back on the diamond tonight. 6.30 to take on Grambling State before the big, big weekend series that starts Thursday against the Tennessee Volunteers. Chris, good afternoon, sir. Thanks for the time, man. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. 21 and (laughs) 3. Not bad. Um... They took a punch from Arkansas, bounced back, and won a doubleheader. So give me your summation. Give me your uh, your thoughts on this team 24 games in. Yeah, I, th- I think our pitching is still, um, with the the exception of schemes, I think our pitching is okay. still kind of trying to find its footing. And Fair. and I think our hitters, uh, I think our hitters are still continuing their hot streak. Um and I think really the defense is 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 the shining uh, light for the team as of this moment. Uh, you know, you can't can't really uh, underestimate how big of a difference from last year to this year the defense has oh, been uh, for yeah. the team. And and so you know, overall, I'd give them uh, probably give them an A minus right now uh, with the possibility of moving up to an A plus if they can put it all together. Uh, you've seen some great, great players walk through those uh, gates and get on that uh, between those white lines and play baseball. But if Dylan Cruz continues the pace that he's on, and that's asking an awful lot with a 531 batting average, I saw somewhere if he went hitless in his next 60 at-bats, he'd still be hitting 304. If he went 0 for 60, he'd be hitting 304. He has a chance to be the best of the best, doesn't he? He really does. He has the uh, he has the chance to, I'm sure, break a few LSU records uh, on the hitting side of things. And 
And when, I mean, we're talking about, you know, you're going over 500 batting average. That's, it's just, it's, it's, it's absurd. And, and even the more, I guess, uh, frightening stat for opposing pitchers is his OPS. His OPS is, I want to say, second in the country. Um, it's, yep. It will probably break a LSU record as well, I'm sure, if it, if it obviously stays where it's at. And, I mean, it, you like, like everyone keeps saying, you just don't see these types of players make it to college very often. Right. And, uh, and, 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 I mean, it's just such a treat, I think, for LSU – and for uh, the Tiger fan base to be able to sit there game in, game out, and uh, and just wit- witness greatness. Is Tennessee baseball the equivalent to Alabama football? Is, is it, everybody just, unless you're at <laughs> that fan base, everybody just hates you? Yeah, I, I, would, I, I would link those two together, except for the fact that Alabama has won a lot more national <laughs> championships right. and can kind, of right. back it, can kind of back it up there. Um, well said. But, well said. Yeah, Tennessee, like you said, everyone in the program, I'm sure, I'm sure they're all about Tennessee baseball. But from a national perspective, uh, that team is very much disliked, uh, and they have nothing to back it up. And you know, it's one of the biggest things. If you're going to act the way you act, or act the way they act, uh, you better have some stuff to back it up. So there you go. Um, you know, I'm very, very excited for this uh, weekend series. I'm with you. Um, Ty, I thought Ty Ty Floyd, um, you know, after a little shaky start, settled in. I thought he was terrific. How do you sum up uh, what he did? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, he came in in a in a huge spot. Um, you know, we obviously lost the first game, and uh, we we really needed a pitcher to step up. Like I mentioned earlier, the uh, number two and number three. Uh, pitchers on the staff really haven't, you know, I, I wouldn't say they haven't fully submitted themselves in those positions. Right. And so there's two to four guys that are that are viable for those spots. And, and I, you can't, you know, you can't you know, get much more out of your out of your Saturday guy um, like Ty Floyd did coming in there and really, really manning up and, and, and putting on a show, um, you know, for that second game. So. Um, you got you to tip your cap to him, and, and hopefully he can keep it up because he has the makings to be, um, you know, very very good at this level. Uh, yeah. We just want to see a little more consistency out of him. Same with Thatcher Hurd, who's a Sunday starter. We don't know about that. One thing that was um, that uh, was good to see was the emergence of two relievers in Garrett Edwards and Griffin Herring. Uh, Edwards pitched in both games of Saturday's doubleheader. Uh, Herring had two relief wins last week from Arkansas and Arkansas. So maybe they found something in Edwards and Herring. Yeah, I mean, uh, I tell you what, uh, a lot of people have been asking me about Edwards possibly being a uh, starting pitcher. You know, I'm not, I I don't know all this stuff uh, in his stamina is built to be a starting pitcher, but he still could be a guy that goes out and gives you four to five innings, so it'd be an extended relief pitcher at that point. But but I'm sure all, you know, all cards are on the table uh, with Herring. It was really nice to see him come out and, and really shine the last couple uh, games he's pitched in as well. Um, you know, I, I think, like I mentioned earlier, our hitters are pretty cemented in terms of who's going to be playing and who's the next guys up. 
um, and our pitchers are that are little, um, you know, a little more iffy, a little more, um, you know, non-cemented, and, and, and we're going to hopefully see some guys step up to the call and really put their best foot forward and do it with consistency because we have a lot of guys that, um, you know, that may throw hard, they may have good off-speed and things of that nature. But with the exception of schemes, um, you know, you haven't really seen that many be consistent with what they offer. So Correct. I think that's the Correct. next step. And, and by golly, whenever that does happen, I mean, it, just watch out. We could go on an absolute tear. When when you were playing the, these midweek games, I mean, you're playing Grambling State, and no offense to Grambling State, mm-hmm. that, I mean, they, look, they're good. They're in the they're leading the SWAC, uh, and that's terrific. And I know you want to win every game, but you got Tennessee looming on Thursday. Uh, what was the approach to these midweek games uh, from a standpoint of yeah, we want to win, but do we want to play a lot of players? How do you approach it? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I think from, you know, from a coach's perspective, it's, it's to get out of the game without any injury. Um, that, okay. You know, I think that's first and foremost from that. Now, from a player's perspective, uh, it's, you know, you're trying to get in there and get a lead early and often. Uh, you want to score okay. as many runs as you can early. Um, you know, that way, to be honest, you have a, uh, what I would consider kind of a, a half, Half off uh, game where you may play the first four to six innings and then you take off the next, you know, four to three innings, whatever it may be. Um, and you can let some of the other, you know, younger guys or other guys that just, you know, are, are waiting in the wings to play, you let them get some action and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, kind of show what they can do. Uh, but, but first and foremost, it's just getting out with the win and without getting injured. Uh, you want to make sure all the starting hitters are, uh, you know, they got their hits, they're being confident um, and whatnot, and, uh, and, you know, making sure your pitchers throw strikes and, and just really clean outing defensively as well. So that's kind of just the mindset going into these games. And then, you know, obviously um, you got Tennessee looming, so there'll be a lot of interest, uh, you know, and buzz around the program for that. LSU Arkansas tied uh, in the West at four and two. Tennessee lost, got swept in their first series, but came back and swept A and M in their second. So they're at three and three. They've got to be feeling a little bit confident. This is going to be a heck of a series. I mean, it's a, you can just smell it, you can taste it, you can feel it. This is going to be uh, high level college baseball. Oh yeah, they. Uh, I believe their Friday night pitcher, the Dew Lander guy, is a potential top, you know, five pick. Yep. He throws very hard. Uh, has made a name for himself, and you know, obviously their coach has made a name for themselves, and and the way they act has also brought a lot of attention. Um, I I think, you know, I was telling somebody this the other day. You know, LSU from a fan's perspective, our fans are very. Uh, baseball savvy in terms of knowledge and the way we act at the stadium, and, uh, and you know, I was kind of—I'm kind of getting the feeling that we may step out of our bounds a little bit this weekend with Vitello and Tennessee coming into town because they're fired up. universally hated. Um, yeah, I mean, it—they do. So I can't—I can't imagine what the box will do if if one of their guys hits a home run and runs around first base and and flipping everybody off like the guy did last year for him. I mean, that's right. it's just stuff like that. I mean, I, I, 
and I, I kind of hope the fans do kind of step it up the energy. You know, obviously, I don't want any like you know, you know, can't go over the top with it, but you know, it, it's all in good fun and, and competitiveness. But um, but I still hope the box brings it. I hope the Tigers come to play, and I hope they bring it, and and uh, hopefully LSU can get out of the uh, series with the series win. We got to put beer gardens in the outfield. We got to get younger crowd in the outfield, and we got to get rowdy in the outfield, man. Come on, we got all those high share seats and all the the expensive seats and all that, but we got to get some rowdiness inside that box, man. We we got to turn it up a notch in these kind of series. I've always said that, yeah. like the old box yeah, used I, to be. Yeah, like the old box, man. I I can't. I I, I used to be one of those little fiery young kids at the old. Yeah. Box. My dad used to check me out of school and, you know, during the midweeks go out there, you know, if it was an early game. And, man, I'm out there and, you know, usually away from my dad because my dad probably wouldn't have liked to hear what I was yelling at the at the players. Uh, but um, <laughs> usually, you know, me and a group of kids that were on the playground would go by the away uh, pitching um, bullpen and, and, uh, and we would, you know, we would give them, we'd give them all they could handle. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and that's, and it was all in fun nature, you know, we weren't getting too aggressive, but, you know, it was right. like said, in fun nature and, and it was, and it was, uh, you know, it was wanted by the, you know, the crowd around us was doing it as well. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's a little hard for maybe a game like tonight. You obviously don't want to go in there and start yelling up a storm at people when there's not that many people there. No, but, no. Um, yeah, but, but I mean, that Tennessee gets here, like I said, if they do anything, um, I expect the box to be already very energetic, but um, you know I, I expect them to start erupting and 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 being very loud and, and very intimidating uh, when they do. So it should be a very fun atmosphere. Let's just say absolutely, Chris Reed, you'll be there. Always enjoy talking baseball with you. You make me uh, you make me feel smarter uh, after listening <laughs> to you. So, so thank you, my friend. Take care. Enjoy the series. Thank you very much. You too, bud. You got it. All right, Chris Reed, we'll take a timeout. We'll wrap up our number one next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you want to see the world champs in person, you're in luck because the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our first Astros weekend getaway of the season. Houston takes on the Texas Rangers on Saturday, April 15th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports station don't agree with what jordy has to say not to worry he's always open to a healthy debate well dean i'm, I'm glad that you asked that actually question. i'd like to jump in and take that one jimmy if you don't mind have at it hoss give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 now back to more of the jordy holberg show on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station uh, about to wrap up our number one. Still no word on what's going to take place with 
Lamar Jackson. The Lions have ruled out pursuing him. The commanders say they're not interested. Somebody's going to be interested. We just don't know who or when or how. Or does do the Ravens uh, figure out a way to make this up and keep the guy? We, we shall see as the world turns with the NFL owners meetings. Odell Beckham Jr. trains out in Arizona. He's arrived trying to see if he can get a team to uh, want to sign him for the price that that he feels he is worthy of. So we'll talk all about that uh, and much, much more with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. And we've got Mason Ginsburg joining us at the top of the hour. Huge NBA matchup. The Golden State Warriors hosting the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans destroy Portland last night. And now the back end of a back-to-back against a team that needs it just as badly as the Pels do. It'll be a playoff atmosphere at the Chase Arena in San Francisco. We'll preview that. Man, if the Pels could get this one, the odds are slim. But none has not left the building yet. But they're slim. So we'll talk about that and much, much more coming your way in our number two. As always, every interview that we do, we um, put it on our website, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. We just look up the Jordy Helpert Show and you can find it. So if you miss Corey Diaz talking women's basketball, they're about five minutes away from uh, leaving campus. Uh, a nice crowd should be on hand to send them off and on their way to Dallas. And, of course, LSU baseball wants to get through Grambling State, and then they face Tennessee on Thursday. Our number two of the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. After this top of the hour sports update. Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, March 28th, the year 2023. Nice crowd, I believe, is on hand. Uh, sending off Kim Mulkey and the LSU women's basketball team um, as they depart for the airport to head to Dallas and Friday, 6 o'clock tip against Virginia Tech in the women's final four. Um, the nightcap will be South Carolina, the defending national champs that are undefeated taking on Caitlin Clark and Iowa. And she is must see women's basketball. She is terrific. The men's final four gets underway Saturday, Miami versus UConn, San Diego state versus Florida Atlantic. Meanwhile, out West, what a mammoth game tonight for the resurgent New Orleans Pelicans who have uh, who have won five in a row thanks to their bludgeoning of a dismantled Portland team. But they did what they had to do. They beat them. Right now they're 38-37 and 37 tonight. They are in San Francisco. 
taking on the Golden State Warriors, who are just one half game ahead of the Pelicans. Mason Ginsburg, all things Pelicans, part of Boot Crew Media, Bourbon Street Shots. He does this. He does, he's all about the Pels and the NBA. Joining us now, Mason, seven games left. I had my doubts, but right now, uh, that win over the Clippers the other night was uh, was very convincing. Pels are right where they need to be with seven games left to go. What do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, even if you'd asked me a week ago, <laughs> my answer would have been way different than right now. The team is playing good basketball. Uh, they they beat they beat the teams after a loss to Houston. They beat teams they're supposed to beat. I, I wouldn't right. discount the game they beat the Hornets then a few nights ago. Charles been playing well. They beat Dallas a couple games in a row. Their defense has been good this year or, or good in the last couple months. And so that was a quality win. And then the, the game they beat, they played the Clippers. That game was huge. And this one just became gigantic. Uh, but the, the Warriors are one of the NBA's best teams at home. And so it's going to be quite a challenge to take this one tonight. Yeah, the back end of a back-to-back. The Pels have won two of the three matchups already this year. Uh, Golden State won the last. Um, it seems like the Pels, when they get started early and they involve Jonas Valanciunas in the offense early, it just seems to make them better. And that seems to be a big key to me tonight. Yeah, I mean, for a while, the Pelicans kind of had one foot in and one foot out with Jonas. And the, the, the challenge is he's, he's not the, the best defender. And so if you're not using him on offense the way he needs to be, and then you're allowing him to kind of negatively impact your defense, you're not getting what you need out of him. And so the fact that you're, you're exactly right, I mean, they, they, they've gone to Jonas, they've made him more of an offensive focal point, um, which helps out Ingram and CJ uh, to, 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 to make sure they can get more efficient looks. And so it's paid dividends. And I think this is going to be a very interesting matchup with uh, Kevon Looney uh, with, with Golden State um, to see how how um, how you know how he can uh, perform because Looney's a good defender. Um, so, the, but I think they need to keep keep doing it uh, as a way to kind of diversify the offense. Sometimes you sacrifice defense for offense. Herb Jones is the best defensive player on the team. Golden State's got Steph Curry. They got Clay Thompson. Who in the heck do you put Herb Jones on tonight to start off this game? Yeah, I, it's a, a great question, and I think that you know they're going to have to play team defense against Steph Curry. They, they can, they can. He, he's great at, at getting space to shoot, and so um, you know I, I think it's a it's it's a tough choice either way because if you put Herb on on uh, Steph Curry, then Clay Thompson's going to have a pretty significant height advantage over over CJ, and so yeah. um, it's it's not not an easy easy question to answer. But um, I think the Pelicans are just going to have to you know rotate well and play good team defense against a team like the Warriors. I'm with you. Um, I'm, I'm interested in the matchup. Brandon Ingram, I'm sure Draymond Green, if he's listed as uh, questionable for tonight's ball game, but I got to believe with the, the significance of this, he's going to play. That's a great offensive player against a really, really good defensive player. That's uh, that's another element of this game within the game to watch, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Draymond's great in getting into players' heads. Um, he's a fantastic defender. Um, you've got what you've got to do with him, though, is you've got to make him. Uh, you've got to basically give him a ton of space on the offensive end. You want every time he takes a takes a shot, that's a win for your defense. And so, mm-hmm. making sure you are not letting. He, I mean, he, he's great. He's a great facilitator. His, his assist numbers are high every year. And so, you've got to make sure that he's. You know, you've got to figure out ways to. Um, you know, to, to 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 try to drive shots for the Warriors to the guys who. Who, who they don't want taking those shots. And so easier said than done, but I think um, 
I, I think B.I. B.I. had a great game against Kawhi Leonard the other night. And so, yeah. um, you know, he'll take on the challenge. And I think you know, what we've seen out of Ingram has been great so far uh, over the last few games as being a facilitator as well as a score. Got to get some other scores. It's tough to ask Trey Murphy to continue to make threes like he had. I mean, I'm not going to – if he's shooting them and making them, keep doing it, right? But uh, please don't wake this kid up. He's been terrific. Yeah, he really has. Um, so his confidence over throughout the year has, has really increased, and I think that Pelicans have, have, have done a better job recently of letting him know, take them. It's just, you know, you're going to miss a few. It's going to happen to everyone, but you need to be confident. We need you to be the best version of ourselves. We need you to be taking 10 three-pointers a game. And, you know, sometimes you might only make two, but other times you're going to make six or seven or, or go 10 for 12 like he did in his Clippers. So he really is one of the best shooters in basketball. Um, you know, you, you look at a, a guy like Clay Thompson on the other side, and you wonder if that's something that Trey Murphy could eventually be um, because they've got similar size, um, the, the shot is smooth. And so, um, you know, what really want to see uh, Trey continue to shoot the ball. Steph Curry and Clay Thompson have to come off the court at some point in time. Sometimes they staggered them, but, but Thompson's so much better, better when Curry's on the floor with him. Um, Boy, it's critical, right, for the Pels to win those minutes when that duo is off the court. Um, Jordan Poole's the only other player averaging more than 10 points a game for Golden State. So when those two guys are on the bench, you better you your bench better be winning the game at that point in time. Um, that's critical as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and Jordan Poole is very hit or miss. And he, you know, he has some pretty flat games, and then he'll go off and score 30. And so um, I think Gary Payton II is just coming back from injury for them, and so he's been a nice um, spark plug. He's, he's one, one of the best defending guards in basketball, and so that's something they had to throw at the Pelicans. Um, he only played 15 minutes last game against Minnesota, but I think they'll continue to ratchet his minutes up. And so you're, you're right, though. I mean, the Pelicans, when, when those guys are sitting – They've got to take advantage, and the Pelicans' depth should be something they can use to their advantage tonight because the Warriors don't are you know don't have one of the deeper teams in the league. Yeah, Richardson's key in this thing too, don't you think? Um, from a defensive standpoint, with his length, I mean, you can you can spot him on Curry for a little while. You can uh, you can get him on on Clay Thompson, and, and certainly Poole. I, I think his defense is critical. But you can't, boy, it's such a fine line, right? Because Golden State can score in such spurts. Uh, you can't sacrifice offense by just playing a defensive group. They'll, I mean, they're too good. Yeah, and so it's you know you look at who the Warriors have been throwing out there, and Looney's really their only true five. Uh, you know they're not going to throw; they don't really play a backup center, and so I think it, it, it caters well into the Pelicans' hands because you know they can throw Larry Nance out there and have other yep. long defenders, Josh Richardson, like you mentioned, also Najee Marshall. Uh, I think they've got they've got guys who can kind of counteract what Golden State wants to do. But I mean, the two times the Pelicans beat the Warriors earlier this season, the Warriors rested everyone. There, they, they, there was fortuitous scheduling for the Pelicans. The Warriors yes, were on back to back, and so this game's going to look a little different. And so the Pelicans are going to have to give it give it everything. And it's it's really really nice to put away the the, the the Blazers so quickly last night, and they allowed basically their entire starting lineup to sit in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's a good one. Um... Mason Ginsburg with us. Minnesota certainly turned it around now that Carl Anthony Towns is back. Uh, they've won four in a row. When you look at the seven through ten, Golden State, the Pels, the Lakers, the Thunder, and Dallas is right on the outside uh, looking in. Which team do you think stumbles? You got you, you basically have five teams playing for four spots. Who's the team that stumbles out of this thing? 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because, again, a week ago, I was, I, I was saying to people, Pelicans and Utah, the team, two teams that I think are most likely to fall out. I don't believe yep. that anymore. Uh, I think um, I like everything the Thunder have done this year, but their schedule for the rest of the way is the hardest of what's left uh, of, of, the other, of the other teams. I have to believe Dallas puts them together enough to at least sneak in. Uh, and, and so I really think the Thunder might be the team to miss out, but that's, that's not because of how they played. It's really just about the teams that they have left to face this season. Um, it's, uh, you know, they've, they've got the Warriors still to play. They've got Memphis. They've got the Suns. And so, um, it's just, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll see. Um, but, uh, that's, you know, that, that, that's what I what, what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, I, I understand. Look, I thought I thought the Clippers win was just was icing on the cake. I didn't expect that. I expected them to beat the Blazers. I don't expect the Pels to beat the Warriors tonight, um, nor the Nuggets. But that's two and two on this road swing. Then you get to go home. Um, by that time, who knows what the Clippers are going to be? They're going to be in the top six the kings are certainly in the top six the grizzly are in the top mm-hmm. six. maybe they start resting some play i don't know yeah, i mean that's the yeah. big that's the big conundrum right yeah yeah, yeah and actually i like to um uh rescind my prior answer i was looking at upside down the, the, the thunder actually have the easiest strength of schedule every team remaining so i i think i think they might actually get in looking at the teams that are playing because they also have detroit charlotte uh, the pacers and the jazz all teams that i think are kind of sitting on the outside so, I mean, you could see them get in, and, and, and Dallas, honestly, has a tough schedule remaining. But, I mean, it is the Pelicans, literally, quite literally, based on opponent strength of schedule, they have the hardest, hardest schedule left in the league. And so, it is, it's, it's, they're going to have to bring it every single night um, to, to really truly make it into the playoffs. And I think the way they're playing right now, I still like them to get in. Um, but but it is worth, worth noting that the, the Pelicans do have every, almost every game left this season uh, is – Actually, every game of the season is against a team over 500. Uh, so it's going to be tough. Yeah, over 500 and in the playoffs. So they definitely have uh, their work cut out for them. Um, but, I mean, you know, heck, if you told me that they were going to go on a five-game winning streak the way they were playing, <laughs> I'd have laughed at you. Uh, so who knows? I mean, that's what's so fickle about this team. You never know what you're going to get, Mason. It's infuriating. What's going on in the Western Conference this year? How many teams are so tightly packed? It's, it's what we've become used to seeing on the in the Eastern Conference, honestly. And that now suddenly yeah. it's, it's the West. You've got teams between, honestly, between the four seed and, and the twelve seed that are all within five games of each other. Uh, and so you expect, like you were mentioning, you, you expect the Suns to pull away now that they've got Kevin Durant back. But you know, even the Clippers, the Clippers lost uh, lost Paul George to injury, and so you know they're they're beatable as the Pelicans showed the other night. And so it really is. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen because every every game any, anything can happen here. Um, you know, you, I think the Charlotte Hornets proved that, and their back to back wins over Dallas. You just you, yep. it's, it's too close to call. Yeah, I was hoping Indiana would would pull a rabbit out of its hat and beat the uh, the Mavericks last night, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, who's the best? I, I, th- I still think Milwaukee's the best. T- I know they're leading the East by two games over Boston. I just think um, I think they're the best team in the East, and I, I don't. I see them getting to the finals again. I really do. I agree with you. Um, I, I think um, you know Boston got there last year. Milwaukee's had injury tr- challenges every single season. It seems like, and right now, not knock on wood, they're going they're going in healthy. Drew Holiday's playing the, one of the best seasons of his career. Yeah. Couldn't be happier yeah. for him. And so I, yeah. I, I think I, I do agree with you. I think the, the top team, and, and I, was, I was feeling really good about Denver in the West until a couple of weeks ago, and they've, they've kind of 
they've fallen off a little bit, uh, but then they fall they fell off and then they had a they're on a on a four game win streak now, and so that's going to be a tough next game for the Pelicans in a couple nights. Yeah. But um, yeah. I, I think if I had to pick one team, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think I think the Bucks. Memphis may, I mean, that might have been the best thing on, under unfortunate circumstances for John ja Morant to take that break, to get away from things, mm-hmm. to rest his legs. Now he's refreshed and ready to go. Heck, they've won six in a row. Uh, the West is up for grabs. I mean, I could see a number of teams that get hot at the right time that could make a deep run in this thing. I don't know who's going to win the West. I just, I just want the Pels to play after the regular season's over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I think if the Suns can stay healthy, I have a hard time picking any team over them now that they have Kevin Durant. Um, so that's obviously a big question mark, right? Because Katie's been out. But um, you know, with with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, um, yeah, I think I think they're they're formidable. And so, um, like you said, just tell us, tell us we just got to get in, and then we'll figure out the rest later. Hopefully, you get Zion back, uh, and and you can you know you can uh, give some teams some problems in the first round. Oh, God. Okay. All right. You had to say that, right? Okay. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath, Mason Ginsburg, but I do appreciate your time. Uh, Golden State tonight and then uh, at Denver. Ugh, that's, a, that's a tough two-game swing, man. Well, and miracles can happen. You never know. Thank you, man, for talking some hoops with me. It was fun. You got it. Whenever. You got it, man. Thank you. Mason Ginsburg, Boot Crew Media, um, all the things that he does, he's terrific. He is terrific. We'll take a timeout. Um, it's uh, Tuesday, March 28th. That means it's time for the Black and Gold Report next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome Saturday, April 15th. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Wants to help you score tickets to the thrilling show. Text GLOBE to 337-283-8100 to score a family four-pack of tickets. That's GLOBE. G-L-O-B-E to 337-283-8100. Shoot a text, get your tickets, be amazed at the Globetrotters' fame, ball handling skills, dunks, and laugh out loud antics. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the owners' meetings taking place in Arizona. Coaches are there. Owners are there. Um, Now we're going to find out all the things that are going on with our good friend from the Saints News Network, the Bayou Blitz podcast, the one and only Mr. Bob Rose. Robert, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, my friend. I hope all is well. All is swell. Absolutely. It's Derek Carr's 32nd birthday today. And uh, the Saints, I guess, got him a birthday present. Uh, why Brian Edwards as a wide receiver coming on board? Uh, I, I'll tell you, I like the signing. I think this is a very underrated pickup. Uh, yeah, Edwards played his first two years uh, in, in the league with the Raiders, so he and Carr are very familiar with each other. Uh, matter of fact, had a you know, Brian had a mini breakout of sorts during the 2021 season, and then for some reason, in you know, last off season, the Raiders traded him 
to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, where he did very little in that run heavy offense, uh, you know, before being released at midseason. But I like the signing, too, because you know, Ed- Edwards is a big physical guy, uh, you know, six, three, probably going about two fifteen. He works the middle of the field. Well, he's not going to give you much as a deep threat, but that's not what the Saints need. The Saints need a fourth wide out or a backup wide out anyway, uh, that's going to be able to complement what Michael Thomas does over the middle. Now, I'm not sitting here comparing Brian Edwards to Michael Thomas by no stretch of the imagination. Uh, but if Thomas goes down or if he's a little bit slow to recovery, uh, you know, to, to recover, gets nicked up, Edwards can do a lot of those same things. So that takes the pressure a little bit off of Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid to work the middle of the field. Uh, you know, both Rashid and Chris are terrific route runners, but that's just not their game. You want those two guys in open space or to take the top off a of defense or get the ball to them along the sidelines where they have room to work in the open field. Edwards and Michael Thomas are going to work the intermediate routes of the defense, which, by the way, is where Derek Carr feels most comfortable going. Right. So, uh, like I say, Brian Edwards is not a perennial pro bowler or anything like that. But if you look at this Saints wide receiving core on paper right now, I think they are much better than the unit we saw even a year ago. Gosh, we don't have to say about anything about Marquez Callaway anymore. My goodness, like uh, so much potential. This, that, oh, Sean Payton scooped him up. Yeah, and that's no surprise whatsoever. Uh, you know, Payton loved Callaway coming out of Tennessee a few years ago, signed him you know, immediately uh, after the draft. Uh, you know, Callaway, given the receivers that they have out there in Denver, Callaway's not going to be counted on to be a number one or a number two, uh, probably a three, four guy, which is about what Marquez Callaway's skill set is. Uh, you know, I think the expectation of Callaway that was put on him by the New Orleans Saints to automatically step up and replace Michael Thomas when Thomas went down a few years ago. I think that was unfair. I mean, Callaway was not drafted for a reason. He's not a top two guy. Uh, But I think as a complimentary wide receiver, I think he could do some decent things in Denver. Uh, You mentioned um, Michael Thomas um, at the owner's meeting. Dennis Allen said he's not 100 percent. We're going to be cautious with it and take our time after that uh, November toe surgery. Is he the Zion Williamson of the Saints? I mean, the best ability is availability. He ain't never available. I'll tell you what, the best availability is definitely, uh, our best ability is definitely availability. And that's what's been very frustrating about Michael Thomas the last few years. I'm, I'm still reluctantly willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I mean, the man in his first four years, he missed one game. Uh, yeah, so he was very durable despite his physicality uh, yeah, during that period. Uh, you'd like to see him get back to that. And again, you, know, you and I have discussed it before. Michael Thomas is betting almost $9 million on himself that he will be available for the Saints because that's a, about approximately how much Michael Thomas has in bonuses that are sitting on the table for the 2023 season. To get your bonuses, you got to be on the field and produce, young man. So we're hoping. I understand being cautious with them. There's no reason to force them out on the field right now. But you need that man in the lineup. Are you in agreement with pro football focus that says the defensive line is still the Saints' biggest roster need after free agency? I got to say so, yeah. Uh, Mainly because I'm I'm looking at depth. 
uh, and they still don't have a lot of it at defensive tackle. I love the signings of both Saunders and Shepard. Uh, you know, re-signing Roach was a, was a good move, but they need more there. Uh, at defensive end, I love Granderson. I love Passigno, but they're not perennial pro bowlers. Cam right. Jordan is entering his 13th year and going to be 34 years old. Eventually, Father Time has got to catch up with big old 94. I think the Saints would be wise to address both the edge and defensive interior uh, you know, with a couple of those you know, uh, day one or day two draft picks they have. I have flip-flop back and forth saying, do this, do this with your first pick overall. I am now resigned, and I'm sticking to it. If I were the Saints, I need a pass rusher. I need a guy that can flat out go get the quarterback, affect the quarterback. I mean, no offense to – Cam Jordan, but he's getting he's getting a little long in the tooth. We need somebody that can get after the quarter. That makes other teams go, okay, where is he? Okay, mm-hmm. that. and that helps your other players become better. You better believe it. And you know, as, as our mutual friend Mike Detailier loves to say, everybody wants a passer, a quarterback. The second most valuable thing you can have on your team is the guy that gets that passer on the ground. And you can't have enough of those. I don't care whether it's defensive tackle or defensive end. Uh, I'm with you. I think that that's a premium for the Saints right now, mainly because you can't have enough of them. When you're a cornerback, a linebacker, a guy that has to cover, it's great to have them. But the rules in the NFL nowadays work against those players. So you got to have a guy that makes a quarterback feel uncomfortable, makes him feel rushed, makes him feel hurried because that could push him into mistakes. So, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I I could, obviously the saints are going to be true to their draft board. They always are. And I like that sound philosophy, but they've got to have their eye on a couple of defensive linemen coming out of this draft. Yeah. Um, Do they believe as he believes, is there hope for Peyton Turner? I mean, they've drafted him in the first round. They must have seen something. What has gone awry here? Uh, you know, again, like you said, you know, the best availability or best ability. Why do I keep messing that up? Best <laughs> ability is availability. And we just haven't seen it from Peyton Turner. We've seen flashes, uh, you know, week two against Carolina in 2021 and, uh, you know, week six or seven or eight against the Raiders last year. He showed why the Saints were interested in him. He just hasn't been able to do it consistently. Uh, now, again, I'm and this I'm being hopeful here, but I'm reluctantly willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Peyton Turner's coming into year three on the cusp of being a draft bust. When Cesar Ruiz was coming into week three last year, most of the New Orleans Saints fan base was ready to pack his bags and drive him out of town, myself included. Ruiz, that light switch turned on for Ruiz. Maybe it turns on for Peyton Turner. You got to hope so. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how the Saints feel about Peyton Turner by where, what, how early, if at all, they select a defensive end in this draft. Yeah. Oh, they need to put some pressure on the quarterback, plain and simple. Uh, let's take a time out here. We'll come back. We'll discuss if the Saints hadn't had their quarterback yet, they hadn't signed Derek Carr with what's going on in Baltimore. Would the Saints have pursued Lamar Jackson? That and much, much more. Bob Rose, Saints News Network on the Black and Gold Report.
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. As we're brought to you each and every day by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. By Ducks, cleaning America's air from the inside out. By Eon, the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that helps you lose those unwanted inches along with permanent fat reduction. Eon, located in Lafayette, Baton Rouge, and Mandeville. By the Louisiana Lottery. You know, you can't win until you actually start playing. D.C.'s Little Capital Exxon with their true soul food deli tucked away in the corner. Best cheeseburger ever. And by Cajun Chef. Do yourself a flavor. Turn up the taste with Cajun Chef hot sauce. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 36 minutes after the hour, we are thrilled to continue the Black and Gold Report with our good friend Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. The big uh, story around the league as the NFL owners meetings are taking place, and it just happened right when his head coach sat down to meet the media. The tweet came across and says, I want out of Baltimore. Lamar Jackson um, saying that, Bob, um, he's still under contract. The Ravens can still do what they want. Is that is that something that's repairable or is that something that's irreparable? Based off of what we've heard so far uh, about Lamar's relationship with management and with Coach Harbaugh, I got to believe that it's repairable, mainly because we haven't heard anything extremely dysfunctional. Uh, Lamar... Lamar and the Ravens contract talks have stalled several times now, dating mm-hmm. back to previous, even last preseason. Uh, you know, so you got to believe that there's some kind of disconnect there. My guess is between management and Lamar, who, of course, has been, for the most part, his own agent. Right. Uh, I still don't believe Lamar Jackson is not going to – I still don't believe Lamar Jackson is going to play anywhere else but Baltimore. And like you said, the Ravens hold all the all the cards, all the leverage, because they have a franchise tag on him. And yeah, what, if Lamar refuses to sign the franchise tag, that means he doesn't play anywhere, which means he doesn't get any money. Right. Uh, Obviously, there are different avenues that each side could explore, specifically the Ravens, uh, which is what you're about to get into. But, yeah, I I believe that the relationship is probably repairable because Jim uh, John Harbaugh is such a good players coach. The Ravens obviously knew about this because he said he requested a trade on March. Do you do you think any of the other teams in the NFL got wind of this? Oh, I think probably so. Uh, because they were probably yeah, everybody knew that the Baltimore Ravens were going to franchise tag Lamar if they didn't get a deal done. Uh, you know, otherwise, Lamar hits the free agent market and the Ravens could potentially get nothing. Uh, yeah, so with that in mind, I have little doubt that there were probably several NFL teams, uh, especially the quarterback needy ones, that at least called the Ravens behind the scenes. Uh, you know, how far those talks got, we'll probably never know. Uh, but you... It, 
you know as well as I do the you know, the phone lines of NFL executives are always ringing off the hook. Uh, you know, putting feelers out there when you're talking about a former league MVP such as Lamar Jackson potentially hitting free agent market or being franchise tagged, those talks probably revved up a little bit. You know, those owners they want to win, but more importantly than winning is how much money do they make. Yeah. It seems odd to me in a league that is driven solely by a quarterback and with the fact that Lamar Jackson is a is a former MVP of the league and he's still young. So much seems to be pointing to the Cleveland Browns and the deal they made with Deshaun Watson. These owners getting together going, no, 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 no. We can't let this happen. It's going to it's gonna set everything on fire because yeah. we got Joe Burrow coming up. We got Justin Herbert coming up. We got this guy, that. No. Boy, it's, it, it sounds like the capital C collusion to me. Yeah, and it does me too. Um, and yeah, the the owners rarely agree on anything, but when it comes to the almighty dollar, like you said, all of a sudden uh, they 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 circle those wagons, and that line is nearly impenetrable. And that's obviously what they did, uh, probably very soon after the Deshaun Watson contract mess last year. Uh, you know, you you and I were sitting here at the time thinking that that would put the NFL on their ear. Uh, I guess we didn't give enough credit, for lack of a better term, towards the owners, uh, you know, all cooperating with each other. But yeah, you know, when people talk about, you know, the contract, the guaranteed dollars being the, the probable sticking point with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, that's exactly what they're talking about. Like you pointed out, the amount of guaranteed money that, uh, that Lamar Jackson undoubtedly wants. And when you talk about guaranteed money, not one, but two two bids for the Washington commanders at $6 billion. And that neither one of them are asking for any owner financing. This is straight up. Here's your check. What's Dan Snyder waiting on? Dude, take the money, get the heck. You're not going to live long enough to spend $6 billion. That's three and four generations of money. Uh, oh my God. What is he doing? I don't know. I really don't because it's very, I think that, that this is just Dan Snyder being stubborn because he knows the league wants him out. Yes. Ownership, league office, fan base, uh, you know, everybody and myself included have always called Dan, uh, Daniel Snyder childish throughout his tenure of ownership of, of the uh, Washington team. And I think this is just the latest example of such. Wow. Wow. The Falcons, um, with with the opportunity to do whatever they need to do, uh, head coach Arthur Smith said today that second-year pro Desmond Ritter will begin the season as a team starting quarterback. That still doesn't tell me much. That begins the season. This high, who's going to end the season? And do the Falcons go for a quarterback? Uh, I think if you're going to talk about a potential suitor for Lamar Jackson or a potential surprise. Uh, you know, draft pick at court, you know, quarterback draft pick uh, in the first round. You're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. 
Now, listen, I know they like Desmond Ritter, uh, at least reportedly. They gave him a a little bit of a chance to play down the stretch of the regular season last year. But Ritter doesn't come with the pedigree that Lamar Jackson does. Ritter doesn't come with the pedigree that a a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson uh, or even a Hendon Hooker, uh, all probable first-round picks. You could even say definite first-round picks. None of them have the pedigree of Desmond Ritter. So the Atlanta Falcons are sitting in a prime position to pull something off here behind center. The Green Bay GM says he he reached out to Aaron Rodgers numerous times to try to get a conversation going, couldn't get it done. Uh, they've, They've just come out and basically said, He's no longer a Green Bay Packer. The Jets are sitting there waiting. The coach is going, yeah, we, we want we want Aaron Rodgers. We expect Aaron Rodgers. Does this thing get done before the draft? And what's the big sticking point here? I know it's compensation. I know it's draft picks and all that stuff. What, how does this resolve? Uh, it probably resolves by the uh, yeah, the Jets caving in to whatever it is the Packers want because uh, the, the Packers, the Packers are in the position of strength here, even though Aaron Rodgers has said he prefers to play for the jets. The Packers could just stubbornly sit there and say, okay, you don't want to play. You don't want to play for us, but you want to play for the jets. We're just going to sit here and let you retire then. Uh, I, I doubt that that gets done, but the Jets are f- the far more desperate of the two sides. Uh, so I think ultimately it leads to New York caving into whatever Green Bay is asking. Here's what I think is, is going through the minds. All right, it's it's about a first round pick. Sure. So the Jets are going. Well, we got this pick right now. I think it's number thirteen in the first round. We get Aaron Rodgers. We're going to get better. So that draft pick's going to get lower. And so. He- here are the Green Bay Packers going, we want that first round pick, but we want it this year because y'all are going to get better. We want number 13. We don't want number 26, number 27, number 28. I think that's where they are. Absolutely. I believe that. Uh, because, you know, and I know, you know, the, the Packers have outwardly said that they like the way Jordan Love has developed. But, you know, we just mentioned the Falcons. I think the Packers are another very sneaky team that yeah. could grab a quarterback in the first round. Now you get the Jets pick along with your own first round pick. That gives you all kinds of ammunition to move anywhere you want in the draft outside of number one, because I don't think the Panthers move. Uh, but outside of that, you can move all you know, up to number two, number three, wherever you want to take take the second best quarterback available. And I agree with you. I think that that's what green Bay is gunning for here. Saw one, uh, former GM give his mock draft and, uh, with the fifth pick, the Seattle Seahawks, he has them picking Hendon hooker from Tennessee. And that's like, I mean, that's a, um, that is a pick for the future, not for the present. Right. Uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, I mean, you just re-signed Geno Smith. Granted, Geno's contract isn't going to you know, break break your salary cap back, uh, but you, you have a guy that had some success as a starter last year. Granted, that's the only year of his career that Geno Smith has been successful as a starter. So, yeah, if the opportunity 
uh, you know, were, were to come for Seattle to draft a quarterback, I don't think they pass it up. Yeah. Personally, I think number five is a little bit too high for Hooker. Uh, yeah, I, I love the kid. You know that. I, I have him as the third-rated quarterback on my board, for whatever on the Bob Rose board, for whatever that's worth. But I don't think Hendon Hooker goes at five, maybe a little bit later and probably a little bit later in the first round. But maybe Seattle does some wheeling and dealing to move back from that number five pick, pick up a few selections and keep themselves in a position to draft Hendon Hooker. That wouldn't surprise me one bit. Speaking of the Bob Rose quarterback board, you've got the number one pick in the draft. You need a quarterback. Who do you take this year? I think I pick uh, I, I pick C.J. Stroud and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are you know, one and one A to me. Uh, you know, Bryce Young, he reads defenses like Drew Brees. And I say Drew Brees because they have a very similar size athleticism in the pocket. But C.J. Stroud is physically built a little bit better for the NFL pounding. And that's what I have my eye on. I think Stroud played extremely well down the stretch of the year in the big games against uh, you know, at Michigan uh, you know, in the college football playoff. So he silenced some of the criticisms about, well, he can't, you know, CJ can't play big against the big opponents. Uh, having that in mind, I think if I'm the Panthers, I pick CJ Stroud. I'm going to go with Bryce Young. Um, narrowly, I, I, nar- I think his accuracy is is unmatched. I think his, as you mentioned, his ability to read. Um, I, I just, I, I just like him. I really do. I know, I know the size five ten two oh four. It's not what you're looking at. Um, I know the Tua comparisons because they both went to Alabama. They're both small. But I, there's something about this Bryce. I've seen him for four years now, up close and personal. Um, the dude just wins. He just yeah. wins, and he makes plays, and uh, he's just really, really good and accurate. I, I think that's the most underrated. Everybody talks about size and arm strength. Give me the guy that puts it where guys can catch it, yeah. and that's what he does to me. So I would take him slightly over C.J. Stroud. I really would. Uh, yeah, and you know what? When I said C.J. Stroud, I, uh, it's by the narrowest of margins, yeah. basically only because of physical build. I love Bryce Young, too. Uh, you know, Frankly, if I'm the Panthers, I would have traded up to number two, maybe given up a little bit less. Uh, you know, and just taking whoever didn't go uh, go at number one and be extremely thrilled with it. That yeah, you know, that's where my mindset is. I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are that close in, in, in abilities. Which defensive player goes first? Is it Will Anderson from Alabama or Jalen Carter, who had those issues from Georgia? But on the field, Jalen Carter was was unbelievable. Some people said he's the best overall player in the draft. Who goes first, Anderson or Carter? Yeah, and I think I agree with you. I think you know, Jalen Carter is the best overall player in the draft and is the best defensive lineman. Uh, but I still think that Will will go first uh, you know, as far as defensive players go uh, because he's more of a pure edge rusher. Uh, you know, and you can do, if you're a defensive coordinator, you can do a little bit more with an edge rusher than you can a defensive interior. You could put an edge rusher in space, drop him into coverage on, you know, on, on in a zone blitz situation uh yeah plus with Jalen Carter's issues you don't know how much of that is going to extend into his NFL career so I think Will Anderson is the safer bet as far as off-field issues 
He's going to be the next Von Miller, in my opinion. We shall see. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Maybe next week the uh, Jets will have their quarterback and will resolve this Lamar Jackson thing. Maybe, but don't count on it. Always fun, my friend. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your week. All the best, my friend. We'll speak soon. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Back to wrap it all up next. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Karen Crow Cultural District invites you to a free family event that celebrates the spring season and Easter. The downtown Karen Crow Spring Festival will be held this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Patriots Pavilion behind City Hall in downtown Karen Crow. There'll be an Easter egg hunt, games, activities, cookie decoratings, crafts, local food, and so much more. Come out this Saturday to the downtown Karen Crow Spring Festival. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, back to wrap things up. The Philadelphia Eagles have officially signed Marcus Mariota as uh, a backup to Jalen Hurts on their squad. Um, and and we're getting we're getting ready for um, the state of Texas is the is the college basketball capital of the world with the um, men's final four in Houston, the women's final four in Dallas. Um, LSU is departing. Uh, it'll be LSU versus Virginia Tech Friday, six o'clock. You'll hear it here on the game, I'm sure. We'll figure it out with LSU baseball and all that. So uh, that's we'll, we'll, you'll be able to listen to it. I can promise you. Followed by South Carolina and Iowa. Um, we'll have all kind of reports. Um, I think Raymond Parsh is heading to heading to Dallas to to cover the game. So that'll be terrific. We'll get Raymond on. We'll do. We'll have a we'll have a great old time. Um, special thanks to our guest today, Corey Diaz, with his preview on the women's final four. Chris Reed with LSU baseball. Mason Ginsburg, Pell's Golden State Warriors tonight. Enough said. And Bob Rose, all things Saints and the NFL. If today, March twenty eighth, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. Newly signed Saints quarterback Derek Carr is. 32 years old today former um showtime laker and near and dear friend of mine as the head coach of the new orleans hornets byron scott he turned 62 years old today tomorrow uh chris dotson will join us we'll recap the uh pels warriors leah van will join us previewing lsu Tennessee recapping LSU grambling from tonight. Two new guests. And then Michael Huguenin will join us as well for a hump day with Huguenin with all things um, in college sports. James Mesh, thank you. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible. Until tomorrow, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another. And please be 
happy. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh is next. So long, everybody.